Welcome back to I Want My MCU TV, where the margaritas give you the best of brain freezes and the repartee is almost as good. I'm Lisa Schmeiser, and with me as always are Kelly Gamont. How long have we been best friends? Oh, forever. <laughs> and Don Melton. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> howdy. Don, how do you like your margaritas? Uh, well, ever since the accident, mm-hmm. I don't drink them. Oh. The, the accident being... When I got my first big uh, raise uh, when working for the Orange County Register as a commercial artist, uh, I threw up all over myself and my roommate. That's the accident. So don't don't drink margaritas anymore out since then. <laughs> wow. So I we'll guess cut so- that out of the show, right? <laughs> uh, the only thing I have to say to that is really. <laughs> yes. Okay. It took us less than 20 seconds to go off the rails in this podcast. That's a new record for <laughs> I us. believe that's a land speed record. Well, you asked. <laughs> I did. You this asked. is true. I didn't realize the margaritas are going to be like one of those don't talk about the war memories. Yeah, right? yeah, it's it's just all trauma. No, I yeah. we didn't realize margaritas were gonna be a fraught issue, Don. I so I feel like we need to release a Twitter poll to the masses asking them what the most traumatic cocktail they've ever had is. Because uh, I'm pretty sure all bad. of us have like one drink we will never, ever drink again. And uh, I, I would like to know everyone else's. Anyway, to get back to a show that normally yeah. has nothing to do with drinking and everything to do with throwing glasses on the floor, we're going to be discussing episode three <laughs> of Loki tonight. And all of you longtime listeners of this podcast, and by long time, we mean everybody who's tuned in for the last day. 12 episodes knows that we have a pretty standard formula for our podcasts it's three sections the first section we recap what happened in this week's episode so that you know what we're going to talk about the second section is our react section where we react to what happened in this week's episode and and why we're talking about it and finally here comes really 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 where (laughs) Kelly and I pelt Don with questions about Marvel Comics lore, and he, and sometimes consulting podcast uh, consultant Don's sister, fill us in on all of the answers. Also, shout out to Don's sister. I, I love that she's become like a trusted secondary source on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I, I, I always talk to her uh, at, right after I watch the episode, and she beat me to it uh, this week, actually watching it, because insomnia she gets up in the middle of the night and watch the episode so <laughs> wow so as soon, as soon as i called her right after breakfast after i watched the episode i was like well have you seen it yet so, yeah. <laughs> trusted so, source don right. if you if you casually mention it to her now we have like three more weeks do you think she'd come talk to us about the end of the season when it's done yeah but we'd have a three four hour episode <laughs> <laughs> not enough margaritas she, to make any yeah, i don't have enough margaritas to that no not all right so shall we get on with it everybody you can pa- pause pause the podcast player of your choice right now pour yourself a sparkling libation of some sort margarita blended on the rocks your call uh, and, and use quality tequila not like this is my crucial and i did i myself am partial to patron silver patron and silver is lovely oh, yeah yes and uh okay once you're done, uh, come back. Welcome back with your drink. And we're going to go into the recap ritual. Who wants to do the recap this week? Does anyone want to do the recap this week? <laughs> I think it's Lisa's turn to do it. I think so. I too. bet Don does too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Golly, gosh, no, I would not like to do the recap. Let me just say that in the strongest language I can yeah. master. It's unequivocal. Without yeah. making Kelly edit. And Kelly appreciates that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like one of these days, we're just going to release an episode where it's nothing but a beep for minutes. <laughs> uh, we do that. Oh. It's called Greetings from the Uncanny Valley. Yes. Which is another show on this oh, fine uh, network. Okay. Crossover. Yeah. All right. So well, let's get to the ep- episode recap for Loki episode three. Um, I have to admit that the first time I watched this episode, I was like, this is a purple tinted nothing burger of an episode. Maybe. <laughs> 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 but then I was thinking and 
one of the things we learned from the first two episodes is that Mobius and Loki are driven by a sort of compulsive curiosity to look for data and assemble patterns and make those patterns tell a story. And I thought, okay, this episode, maybe I'm not giving this episode a fair shot. Let me watch it through a Mobius's eyes and ask myself what clues I'm looking for. So I did that. And I was like, okay, um, here's what stands out. We know from the opening scene in the episode that Sylvie collects intelligence from people by hopping into their heads. And if they don't immediately roll over and give up their intelligence, she beguiles them into chatting with her by setting up like a sort of shared delusion. She mines their memories, creates a scenario, and then interrogates them. And we see her do that with Agency 20. You'll remember Agency 20 as the one who was taken hostage in last week's episode. They find her in the rocks the rocks cart and she's like i told them everything i told them everything so we know how sylvie interrogates people this seems pretty relevant that you open with something like this right over the course Mm -hmm. of the episode sylvie tells us very little about her backstory but we do learn that she's dedicated her life to two things um one of which is teaching herself some pretty powerful magic and the second thing she's dedicated her entire life to is bringing down the tva What we learn from observing her, however, is that she's incredibly indifferent to the following things, whether it's a problem that all TVA employees are actually all mind wiped variants who have had an entirely new life and sense of purpose overlaid over their initial memories. She doesn't care. And uh, the second thing she's incredibly indifferent to is, is who lives and who dies, who is not named Sylvie, like. (laughs) she's unfazed she kills so many tva agents in this episode she does not care that they're on the moon lamentous one with people about to die what she cares about is getting off before she joins them as one of those people dying um but you know this show isn't called sylvie it's called loki and what we see on the other hand is that loki effectively spends the entire episode like a better dressed wily coyote like i honestly (laughs) that that is almost the perfect analogy, yes. Literally, I lost time of the number track of the number of times his not even a plan plans like were spectacularly derailed. Like every single one of them breaks at some moment. And they all far apart fall apart because of some sort of hubristic idiocy and he keeps making this case for himself as a schemer and a mischief guy and incredibly clever and falling uh- short every single time. He needs to stop buying from Acme like Wiley does. That's the Acme headpiece. That's his first mistake. So what was also notable, in addition to Loki systematically screwing up every time he did something with Sylvie, is he was also uncharacteristically vulnerable in a lot of ways. Like he had that little Asgardian sing-along. He talks with Sylvie about his mother a lot. He talks about how he learned to do magic. He has this ridiculous metaphor about what love really is. Um, it's unusually open and vulnerable and like he's just like a captain of bad judgment and like drunken heart-to-heart talks which is weird and i also noticed over the course of the episode he's either that way or he's not because in what i also know every time i've got a different view on that i also noticed over the course of the episode he keeps showing off the different types of magic he can do for sylvie Mm -hmm. um and he also at some point she talks to him about what it would take for him to trust her. And then over the course of the episode, we watch how bothered he gets over the fact that this old woman chooses to die rather than try for an evacuation spot. He seems a lot more bothered by all of these people who are facing down impending doom, whereas Sylvia's at whatever. And what I also notice is he's super duper bothered by the notion that Everybody at the TVA are all mind white variants. He's outraged by the idea that they don't have agency. And honestly, those themes, things seemed really unloki like to me. So these are all the things that we observed and we had patterns over. And I thought, huh, it's almost like maybe he's been enchanted by the mind hopping Sylvie and he's being run through a what if simulator so she can gather intelligence on him. Um, I mean, he's not normally this stupid. <laughs> As for the plot of the episode itself, eh, whatever. (laughs) Ostensibly, Loki and Sylvie got trapped in a terrible apocalypse situation on a moon that's about to go boom. And the temp pad they were going to use to zip out of there is, of course, out of juice. And then it gets broken. But eh, does it matter? 
there are three episodes left. No one's going to write Tom Hiddleston out after three episodes. He'll be fine. We're likely to see one of three different scenarios play out over the next few weeks. We'll either learn that Sylvie's been romping inside Loki's head for information. We'll see that he's been romping inside her head to try to figure something out. Um, we may learn that the TVA has been suppressing memories and Sylvie's excavating them now. We'll see that the TVA comes and gets them next week. Or who knows, maybe another Loki variant will come and rescue them both and they'll all kick open the doors to the multiverse with a couple mischievous quips. Or I think more likely uh-huh. that there's nothing wrong with the temp pad at all. <laughs> that Loki it's, showed it's her the gonna, wrong one. That he magicked a bunch of pieces. Yeah. Exactly. Just like he did with uh, Thor's severed arm in a dark world. Mm. I think oh, yeah. Loki is a lot more in control of the situation than people give him credit for. He, seems, trying- uh, he seemed uncharacteristically incompetent was, which is why I was going in this re- re- recap. And he also uh, seems, he also seems very relaxed. Yeah. Wait, are we done with the episode? I think we yeah. are. I think we're on to reaction. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, tonally, I, I liked your uh, purple tinted nothing burger um, <laughs> because I did notice that. And I yeah. thought it was funny. Um, the other thing to me about this, this episode, uh, is that aside, like it is, you know, the, the purple is a good place to start. Uh, it is so, so different from all the other episodes. It's different in tone, mm-hmm. uh, both in, in like the content of the episode and in the color of the episode, uh, mm-hmm. like the, the whole color tone, the whole palette is, is a different thing. Um, it's a lot of conversation, uh, minimal butt kicking. Uh, unless you're an old unless lady you're Loki it out. who's perpetually wiped out. <laughs> well, yeah, unless you're an old lady waiting it out. Like, like yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of fighting. There was a whole lot of Loki taking it, you know, yeah. right in the shorts a couple of times even. And so it was different in tone. It was different in pace. It was different in, in like impact, I guess. Uh. Um, it felt very walk and talk. So, mm. um, I literally woke up in the middle of the night last night with this burning theory question in my head. And I have one question for Don. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wait, I have one question for the professor in our next segment. And I have uh, one wild theory for my house for later on. So (laughs) my reaction to this, this episode is that what struck me about it the first time through was how fundamentally different it was and what I expected from uh, from an episode of of MCU TV, and and when I didn't get that, it felt very sort of disappointing. But then I kind of sat with it, like you did, Lisa. I sat with it a little bit and went, "I'm not only getting this from Marvel, who we know are pretty decent at telling a good story over multiple chapters, right? Mm-hmm. But we're also getting it from." the Disney version of Marvel, which is like weapons grade storytelling ability. So if they only have six episodes and they spent one of them on this, I, there has to be a reason. It felt like it should have been half an episode and we should have got another half of an episode of something else that was also going on, like half of it (laughs) on like what Mobius has been up to this whole time. Because like, like if there's only six episodes and you take Moby out of one of them, I feel like that was a very, very noticeable change. So the whole thing was very different. I went back through it the second time and that's what woke me up in the night. And so we will talk about that later. But uh, I thought it was very interesting how different it was from the rest of the, the, I feel the, like this the rest whole- of the series, the other two shows. All right, Don, all you. <laughs> My first watch through, I was very disappointed in the episode. And I think your characterization is a purple colored, nothing burger. I would agree with uh, Kelly on that. And I, I immediately talked to my sister and she was very annoyed at the storytelling. She, you know, she's a professional writer as well as being Mm -hmm. a comic book nerd. Uh, And, and she writes fiction and she was, her opinion was, you know, I could have told this entire story in 10 to 15 minutes of film like less than half so there's got to be a reason for it or they're idiots (laughs) (laughs) and for the first two episodes i'm an idiot so i'll I'll cut them some slack that said i think there if you 
if you go to the end of the last episode and you go to the end of this episode, Loki is in the same state almost. He's just about to. Just about to die in an apocalypse. Yeah, he's just about to die in an apocalypse. So this is an odd way to tread water because we're not finding out very much about Sylvie. No. We're actually finding out more about Loki. But uh, I do think there's a reason for some of it. I mean, Kate Heron, the director, has said explicitly this week that she took delight in actually making it canon that Loki is gender fluid. And obviously, so is Sylvie, because Kate herself is gender fluid. So, uh, and it it is both touching and annoying that this comes during Pride Month, <laughs> uh, and that the episode was so damn purple. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say the visuals are stunning, and if you have a chance to see it in 4K, it is it it's four times as stunning. Uh, I mean, the level <laughs> of detail and everything. I will also say I just absolutely love the music, particularly the two songs that Natalie Holt uh, mm -hmm. chose. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Demons by Haley uh, Kiyoko is mm -hmm. just what a great open, but they didn't let her get to there are demons in my head you know, <laughs> yeah. before they cut it out. Which that was, might be too much of a tip. <laughs> yeah, it might be too much of a yeah. tip. Mm -hmm. But on the end credits, Dark Moon by uh, Bonnie Guitar mm -hmm. uh, was just amazing. And she is an amazing woman, by the way. She's one of the first female country artists to be able to uh, cross over to pop music. And if you've ever seen pictures of her performing or playing or whatever, mm -hmm. she plays this uh, big ass uh, uh, Gretsch all white Falcon, you know, with the um, the Cadillac tailpiece on it. And she just plays it like a champ and it's just and mm -hmm. just the perfect song, especially if you listen to the lyrics uh, and everything. And I was like, oh, my God, who chooses these tunes? They're just, uh, they're, you know, talk about bringing your A game for, uh, for the music. So yeah. I thought Don, this was another moment where I was having uh, Westworld flashbacks. Oh uh, yeah. Like yeah. really this is, yeah, this is what you're giving me. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two points that I'd like to interject though. And the first yes. is all of us needed a second episode to warm to this episode. And I actually think that means that there was a little bit of a misfire in the episode as a whole, because you shouldn't have to expect your audience to watch something through twice to get what you're doing. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sorry. I watched it a second time and I appreciate, <laughs> no, and I appreciate, and, and I was thinking about, it, I was like, okay, this is, this is a good lesson in being an active and engaged viewer the first time and getting into the headspace that the show occupies and so on and so forth. Um, I shouldn't have had to take two episodes to get there. It should have been something I could have done in one. Two um, <laughs> so that, that was something where I was like, eh, um, maybe there was another way to do this because this, this, this is an important table setting episode in a lot of ways. Um, mm. It sets up a fun, like we, we already knew the TV was a horror show uh, yes. with its, with its casual use of, of genocide and wiping people out. And the fact that its workforce is habituated to uh, being around people right before the moment of their death. And they think nothing of it. Um, but to discover that their approach to variance is violently inhumane at all levels to the point of erasing their personalities and repurposing them at tools. Um, okay. That's awful. <laughs> that's a choice. And um, I think, <laughs> well, I think it opens up some intriguing new avenues. For example, are we going to find out that Ravana has like three different Mobius agents? Uh, Cause she's been collecting Mobius variants and they all bring her souvenirs. We're not at theories yet. <laughs> and, and do we find out if Ravona is uh, if there are multiple Ravona uh, Rinslayers? 
Oh. And, yeah. So I never got that far. I just. Assumed, yeah. OK. Well, yeah. It's, we're not that far. Kelly, yet. Kelly, it's turtles all the way down. Yeah. So this okay? episode sets the <laughs> table, but it's a hard table to pull yourself up to. Um, the second thing I want to point out is I feel like Sylvie is um, honestly not that great a character so far. Um <laughs> Uh, Because I was watching her and I was like, oh, great. It's a feral magic user who works outside the system like Agatha. Um, And then I thought, oh, great. It's a feral magic user who wants to blow up the system and has a disregard for any sort of life or anything else because the system has been terrible to her like Carly Morgenthau. And um, I'm kind of not enjoying this trend of having an antagonist or a story disruptor be a woman who has been kicked out of the existing systems of power and decides that the logical solution is just to blow stuff up. Like, I don't like that this is becoming a trend. It's beginning to sit with me a little wrong. It would, except that I'm not convinced we know that's what her deal is. We still don't know know what her deal is. Exactly. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I would agree Mm -hmm. with you 100% if that turns out to be the case, but I don't know if we have enough data to know that. We have like three episodes of her just slaughtering the crap out of people who are conscripted in the TVA against their will. Well, But she, all we know is that that's a TVA beef. Yeah. But maybe she's not, maybe she also knows she's not really killing them. Mm. Uh, oh, but but that's a divergent. I have a question for you because uh-huh. I read this online. I was going to bring this up uh-huh. and I didn't think of it because I'm not as big a fan of this as a lot of people are. I mean, I'm obviously familiar with it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But did you get a real Doctor Who vibe from this episode? I'm not a Doctor the- Who fan, so I couldn't tell you. Kelly, how about you? Kelly would have to- oh, my God. That's what it is. You know, like when, when you don't think of something and somebody describes it to you, they're like, oh, yeah, like somebody puts it in the right words. That's what it, I'm like, because it felt, it felt like I'd seen it. Not like I knew what was going to happen or anything, but like, yeah, like there's a vibe here that I get mm. and that's what it is. It feels like, it feels like part of a Doctor Who episode because it feels like we're going to get a second part. And then when we get the second part, like everything that was supposed to happen, you know, like sometimes you feel like it's going to be one episode, but really it ends up being two. And this feels like the first half of one of those because we've set everything up and it's terrible. And what's going to happen to the doctor? And then we get the second episode. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. I'll go over here and breathe deeply. Yeah. <laughs> I also, also thought the interplay between Loki and Sylvie kind of reminded me of the doctor and the companion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it, uh, this is not something that insightful I saw it was somebody uh, online mentioned this and I was like, Oh yeah, I could see that. (laughs) (laughs) So, so again, we don't know, we don't know what Sylvie's trauma is. And it's very clear that her, if, if she's, a female child of Lofi. Lofi. Hold on a second here. I just broke my microphone. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, sorry. Well, hopefully this thing is still recording after (laughs) I dropped it. Uh, (laughs) You know, one of these days we're going to live stream and people are just going to start drinking. when when No one's going to have any idea what's happening. No, I think that'll be the best part of the live stream, honestly. Like they can put together a bingo card. Oh, no, it absolutely (laughs) will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, did you notice that she took a lower ca- uh, class, uh, quote unquote, uh, British accent compared to Tom Hiddleston's mm-hmm. upper class British accent? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was an interesting choice. And I was I was curious if if she made that choice or uh, the director or even. Uh, the writer uh, had made that choice mm. because it sort of tells you something about where she's coming from. Uh, the, the other frustrating thing for me is we still don't know anything um, about what Richard E. Grant is doing in this show. <laughs> we got three more episodes mm. to find mm-hmm. out what the heck's going on with him. So I'm a little uh, annoyed at that. I keep asking myself if there's a way 
because I read an interview this week with like, oh, our goal was to have every episode be self-contained, like old school TV shows. Instead of it being mm-hmm. a six-hour movie, we wanted six one-hour episodes. And um, the first time I was watching this through, I said to my husband, I'm like, this is like, what if Quantum Leap, but it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Like they just keep jumping to terrible places. <laughs> and um, I, I just keep asking, is there a way to get the information the writers clearly wanted us to have? Mm-hmm. And um, is there a way to tell the story they're trying to tell where um, it wasn't this? Because I, I don't dispute that, you know, the color palette change is super dramatic. And I love that you pointed that out because it also adds to a feeling of suspicion and dislocation since we're like, mm-hmm. this is not the aesthetics of the show. What's going on? Um, but I found the whole episode to be a little bit disorienting because Loki was acting a lot dumber than we've seen him acting in um other like and i'm talking like this is presumably like your 2012 loki um but he wasn't acting as smart as that loki did (laughs) and um he's opening up to this person and i'm like okay clearly it's part of a game or a long con who's conning who what is the goal here what's the objective and we got no closure whatsoever on those questions and they're trapped on a planet and i'm like well why did i just watch that um perhaps in the back half of this show um it will all come together and i'll be like oh i get it and you know it'll be like this episode is genius when you go back and look at it but i still feel like it was something of a big ass for viewers right now well i think you know i wonder almost um and and we'll need to talk about the people who worked on the episode in a minute but i wonder for me what i came to terms with um and this is one of those moments where we all get to talk about the different stuff that is us that we bring to this to to the TV show and how everybody had very different reactions to it because of all the stuff that we are and all of our experiences and everything that we bring to the to the program. Sorry to get so like existential on everybody. But here's the deal. I was raised Catholic, so I didn't like this episode of a Marvel thing, and I decided it was my fault. And <laughs> so I'm clearly the error in this situation. Uh, so what's wrong with me? Mm. And I realized that what it is, is that it's the show basically asking us to make this leap with them. Now, I have a theory about mm-hmm. this specific episode, uh, and we'll get to that. So quick question, guys, just just point of order. Do we want to do theories in our reactions since our theories are in part a reaction to what we've seen? Or do we want to save it for the really part of it all? I feel like it's really because when we say our bananas stuff to each other we can go really okay i don't know that feels like the right the right reaction i could be wrong no i I like that reasoning (laughs) Um, that works for me i mean bonkers theories are bonkers and that's kind of that's why i have a home for them uh so like i figured i was the problem because what was happening was me not having faith in the storytellers to be telling me a story yes this was a hard left, but that doesn't mean that it was that it was wrong or poorly constructed or anything. And so, like, when I was watching it the second time through, I sort of came to the conclusion that, like, uh, particularly, you know, the three of us, for example, um, are watching these shows a lot. We're watching them closely. We're watching them repeatedly. And this is the we're on the third one now. And so this is the point where I feel like uh, you know, we've reached the point in our relationship with Loki where he's asking us to trust him and we kind of don't have a choice. So we're going to do it, even though it doesn't really feel like the right thing to do right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to do with the show. So that's what I came to uh, on my own. And then I went and said three Hail Marys because that's what you do. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, Don, that was for you. Thank uh, you. But like, I feel like, you know, this is the third one of these we're, you know, like we've done a decent job of entertaining you so far. Come with us on this derail, mm. you know, and and it feels so it feels weird and uncomfortable, but I kind of feel like I need to be here for it. So um, and the other thing is I went and looked up uh, who worked on this episode and the writer of this episode is the showrunner from Ms. Marvel. Which is coming. Mm. Uh, is the or no? She's the head writer, I think, on Ms. Marvel, and she's written. She's the creator 
here we go. I pulled up her IMDb page. Um, she's the creator of Ms. Marvel, and she wrote this episode of Loki. So that's her deal. She's like executive producer and on Ms. Marvel, which is also coming later this year, uh, apparently on Wednesdays now, because that's what Disney is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, she is um, she's from the UK. So uh, she was probably, you know, steeped in Doctor Who, as all English people are, you know, to some extent. And so having some Doctor Who vibe may have had something to do with that. I don't know. Well, um, she's also a she's also a stand up comedian. Yeah. So I appreciate it. So, you know, the funny moments were funny. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like. I feel like it was kind of uh, the show asking me to like, you know, come with me while I do this thing. You know, I'm Bob Dylan and I'm going to plug in my guitar and, <laughs> you know, and, and you can come with me on this journey or not. Uh, so that was kind of how I felt about it. Um, this is where you and I differ in approach because I'm like, because I'm like, this is a show about a known trickster who's been shanghaied by a shady and deceptive bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. That is, that is not sure. The show hasn't made any effort to build trust with me as far as I'm concerned, because it's, it's rooted in um, an unreliable narrator in an unreliable institution. And so I got more stuff thrown in and I'm all, why why am i doing this um i mean yeah. the, the answer is obviously that the answer is obviously i do it so i can chat with you guys <laughs> but there you go but i think that part of your point which is to trust and go along with it with it i'm like why i don't trust you guys i don't trust you yet well i don't <laughs> i don't trust loki but i yeah. trust disney uh, and i trust marvel well there you go yeah uh they they've given us two above average shows so far yeah. yeah. In fact, quite good shows so far. Yeah. So I'll cut him some slack on this. Basically, that's my stance. Like, right. I I have loved the previous two shows they've given me enough to spend an excessive amount of time editing a podcast about those shows, uh, as well as being one of the people on it. So I feel like, uh, it, like if I'm that invested, I can be that invested in figuring out, like, because basically all it did was spin up my brain about how this episode is going to pay off because they spent a whole unit of storytelling on it yeah. for a reason and i know somebody has a really good reason for it what that is i don't know yet mm-hmm. but it's gonna be a good one and so here's where my theory comes in mm-hmm. are we at theories now let's get a well really. i wanted to oh sorry well, i wanted reacts. to have mm-hmm. one other uh reaction when i was talking about yes. music before i completely forgot to talk about the interlude where tom hiddleston sings yes and it was just awesome because he apparently has a great voice and i was like i'm gonna guess what he's singing there which is supposed to be asgardian is going to be norwegian and it turns out it is and the tune is actually uh and please forgive me because i do not speak norwegian mm-hmm. the tune is jagsalarmen ganger mm-hmm. uh by benedict uh Maruzeth and elrin uh Nadfin. and i'm probably butchering their names as well. And I will not try to pronounce the Norwegian here, but the translation translation is in storm black mountains. I wander alone over icy glaciers. I make my way in the apple garden, the kind maiden stands and sings. When do you come home? And I found it odd that he's singing this to Sylvie in a way. And I don't, know why that struck me as so odd but that is apparently i by by the way i found this information out from the tweety box because some person who actually recognized the tune and spoke norwegian wrote it all down for us nice people that they are so i did not i did not do that research myself other than to use the duck duck go okay so are we on to, to yeah, uh, really. really in theories? Okay. Okay. Really? So, mm-hmm. Let's start with this one. Uh, like Don said, uh, the episode does not start with uh, the standard issue. Dun, 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 dun. You know, the whole Marvel fanfare that we've grown accustomed to, um, you know, with the big plot twist at the end that it's all green and gold instead of red. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, this time we got demons. Like it's called the name of the song is demons. And like the first line, I think of the song is I've got demons in my head. So, <laughs> so what if this episode 
is it all fits together in my head, but I'm very much Charlie with the red string wall right now. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So uh, I th- like what if Sylvie is being as obvious as she can be about being in Loki's head and that all of this is happening in Loki's head. I would, I, this is I my, think that's a pause. I think that's a possibility. That's what woke me also, up in the night. But I think it's also really cheap mm-hmm. and, and chicken poop storytelling to do that. <laughs> well, I, to think this through, when would she have had to have gotten into his head? All she would have had to do is touch his arm. Yes. Are we talking like at rocks on then? I mean, rocks, yeah, rocks, cart. Yeah, rocks, <laughs> rocks cart. cart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. have to be at rocks cart. So basically under this theory, what happens is Sylvie hops into Loki's head, persuades him to jump into the time gate after her sets up this quasi antagonistic relationship because that's how Loki likes to function. Basically keep him in the dark so he can pester you for answers and yeah. then lay down a bread trail, bread, uh, a breadcrumb trail of clues. So he can eventually figure out that she's actually rummaging around his head and they're not on a moon. Well, part of what struck me about it was one of the things that you mentioned, Lisa, which is that basically uh, this Loki is not like even 2012 Loki wasn't yeah. quite this. He wasn't inept. this much of a wily coyote, which is what yeah. he was like, this episode. Yeah, he totally was like Loki is not usually the dude that takes it in the shorts. Like it happens once in a while, but not again, 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 because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. again not worth not warner brothers so that was the thing that that i realized was not sitting well with me the first time through is that like this didn't feel like loki this felt like if you asked moby to describe loki or you asked um bruce banner or somebody that maybe hadn't spent a ton of time with 2012 loki like this would be their impression of them so i feel like <laughs> like maybe Sylvie like spun this up a little bit and that's part of why she spends time telling him about how she enchants people and how she sneaks into their head and does the thing that she does because that's basically her giving the game away Mm. right because who's gonna believe you know it's it's the thing that we see people do all the time wait 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 Kelly what if we flip that theory around it turns out Loki got into Sylvie's head and this is him interrogating her I well, I then he's think... terrible at it because well, he he's kind of not out of her. He, he did, though, because he got the time variant stuff out of her, which That's is true, which is a pretty big thing. And um, I'm wondering if his incompetence and his blowing the scheme and everything is him testing what pushes her buttons and why she okay. wants to wipe out the TVA. And uh, I mean, see, I think my theory I, is that there, I think there, he's doing that. Uh huh. He's doing that, but he's doing that because he really has the function functioning temp pad. The fact okay. that it doesn't yeah. work or that it was broken or whatever. Yeah. He's just waiting until the last minute to see what he can get out of her. I mean, it really seems like we're all in violent agreement that nobody was playing anybody straight in this episode. Uh, it's just a question of who's successfully conning who that we're not agreed right. on. Yeah. Because right. it felt it felt false kind of on both fronts. I know we haven't spent a ton of time with Sylvie, but she didn't feel it didn't. I don't know why it didn't feel like her, but it also didn't feel like Loki either. And we've got no Moby. We've got no Casey. We've got no Ravona. We've got like nobody, nobody else that we know in this episode, like of, of, of all the other people that there are, like yeah. we get a little bit of our Hunter and that's it. Like that's, that's the whole thing. So like everyone else that we've spent two episodes getting to know and becoming accustomed well, to, we did get is gone in this one. Mm-hmm. We, we did get Ravona for like 30 seconds. Cause when, they're like, like don't when Sylvie threatened to kill, kill Loki. And yeah. Ravona's like, yeah, fine. <laughs> but in terms of, in terms of Sylvie doing a number on Loki, I, I don't see why she would do that. I mean, what, it, what would she want from him? He has served his purpose by uh, distracting the TVA as far as she is concerned. I don't think so. I think she I think she finds him useful and wants to know how far she can take that. That's my theory. Uh... So she's sort of she's like rummaging around to see what other tools are attached to the Leatherman. 
<laughs> Not everybody has a lot of money. She's trying to figure out what other attachments are on the Swiss Army knife of Loki. Yeah. Yeah. Like, here's the one that's fireworks. Here's the one that's that's you know TVA access. Here's the one that's that's you know other brains or whatever. And like, so she, I think she's like this is very much you know the the first couple rounds of boxing where you like take a swing and see like how far is the other guy's reach and you know if he you know is it two lefts right like every time you know she's trying to like get the lay of the land is my estimation so. i mean it's also possible we're grossly overestimating everybody's competence here this is entirely possible <laughs> I, In, you including know, the writers yeah i'm <laughs> only <laughs> oh wow Ow, <laughs> i'm only bringing Sorry. it up because it's because this is the thing that woke me up in the night is this is why it felt different. This is why it's a different mm. color. This is why it's a different pace. This is why Loki seems like a buffoon, even though the rest of the time he seems at least more competent than not when we see him try and, you know, mm-hmm. plan and scheme his way out and around things. Um, so that's that that was why I pitched it. That's that's the first thing. Um, I do feel like um my other theme that was my my crazy thing that woke me up in the night and my other my other theory mm-hmm. is that um the one I came up with initially that Mobius is gonna find out that he's not only that he, he knows he's not the only other agent but I think he's under the impression he is the only Mobius so I <laughs> no, feel like to be disabused. I feel like mm-hmm. he's gonna find out that there's that the other Mo- the other agent on the side is a secret Moby, just like I thought it was before. It's just another, Mo- it's, it's another Moby, but he's going to find out. And so now he's chasing a variant of himself the same way Loki is. And it's another thing they have in common. That's, that's the rest of my theory. I would love, I would love that. I would love that for a 20, 24 episode season. <laughs> my worry is how the hell are they going to get that three more episodes? Cause one Mobius is going to catch the other one walking out of an office. That's going to be it. And then Ravana is going to have to be like, did you think you were the only one out there? Did you right. think we always kill the variants? Sometimes we use them. And then Mobius is going to be like, and now all of a sudden Mobius like is team Loki. Or yeah. he's like team. I could do this better. The, the thing that, I mean, the, the TV is going to come down one way or another. It's just a question of who's going to step into the power vacuum that Loki, ident- that, that Loki, Loki has correctly like decided to create. Right. Well, I think he will be less, he will he will be less team TVA, which yeah. is kind of what he is now. Is like this is what I do, and this is this is my deal, and this is like my role in the universe. And I think mm. finding out that there's another Moby is gonna be the thing that that makes him go. So Loki, tell me more about burning this mother down. I I still think that, and I and this sort of and you know finding out that they pluck people from different timelines and that it's not just a clone of him. That is the thing. Finding out that there's some sort of alternate universe, Moby is going to be the thing that's going to do it. I think. So let me uh, let me slap some uh, comics lore on you. The in yes! the TVA, uh, they the people were not variants that worked in the TVA. Okay, nobody came up with that story, but they were essentially all clones. Okay. The joke, the inside joke, was the the way uh Salbashema uh drew them they they all looked uh like a marvel uh writer and editor mark grunwald so they were all uh uh yes they were all I do clones remember that. Of, yeah they were all uh clones of uh, mark grunwald including uh mobius mm-hmm. and so but they never did the the variant thing i think them being variants is way cooler than clones. I mean, clones are so 1990s, right? (laughs) So, um, uh, so, so this is definitely cooler. Uh, The other thing about the, uh, the TVA uh, in the comics is they were, they weren't quite as powerful and omniscient as they're getting portrayed here. But I suspect we're going to find out that they're not quite that powerful and omniscient anyway, once we find out uh, what the timekeepers deal is in the comics, the way the timekeepers, it's kind of a circular thing because the last, um, the last agent in the TVA Mm -hmm. uh, 
basically is the person that creates the timekeeper. He's the last uh, uh, and sets them up to to watch over the remaining timeline. So it's all, you know, time's all a big loop, right? Uh, this dude doesn't happen to be a mailman by any chance, does he? Well, I was going to want, no, <laughs> not, uh, but I'm. <laughs> well, I have two I, questions and that's one of them. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, but I'm wondering if Richard E. Grant is playing a mailman. I don't know. Wow. Uh, oh. You're going to be so happy when you finally see Richard E. Grant. <laughs> this is like yeah. the third podcast in a row where you've been like, Richard E. Grant, wow. where, where are you? He's a he's a he's a favorite character actor of uh, of mine. He's gonna you know, be the, in the post credit scene of episode six, and Don's head's gonna explode. You yeah, heard it here probably. first. Yeah, uh, it it will literally explode. Taking out my microphone again. Uh, the uh, uh, I've I've got uh, I've kept my eye on Richard E. Grant since uh, what was it nineteen ninety two um, uh, Dracula. Oh, yeah, he, I mean, he's delightful. Don't get me wrong. Like, I have nothing against him. I think, yeah, I'm just worried that this is going to be another Dottie situation for you, Don. And I, I hope that's not the case. Yeah, I've I've been burned before, and I, and, and <laughs> it is it is written that I'll be burned again. Uh, that is that is part of the sacred timeline. We all know this. So, uh, so what other what other uh, what other comics lore or BS? Uh, okay, so my first know? one was. Uh, do we have any Marvel universe postman or is this character, is this person that Sylvie's in love with someone that we don't know anything about? Uh, we don't know anything about because that when that, that little line has the entire interwebs scratching their head about. (laughs) Okay, good. I feel better about that. Um, what can you tell us about Lamentus One? Uh, that it is spelled with a hyphen. Okay. My sister and I spent a good part of yesterday morning banging our heads trying to remember if this was some obscure planet uh, mentioned in the Guardians of the Galaxy comics because it just it just has that vibe. Uh, we got nothing. Okay. I mean, there there, there are so many. There are so many made up names in oh, sure. Marvel history, you know, like the whole story of uh, Mjolnir, uh, mm-hmm. the Uru Hammer, right? You know who who came up with that name? No, but I'm pretty sure they were on mushrooms at the time. So post, you know, I don't know. The postman always rings twice. Uh, <laughs> postman, uh, I got nothing. Uh, Lamentus one. There's no Lamentus two either. So I don't know. Uh, a thing like I found uh, a couple of things that talked about it. And basically um, the only thing that anybody seemed to agree on, and I don't know why exactly they've come to this, but um, it's on the outskirts of the Cree empire is like the only part that people seemed to kind of say the same, say, Oh, really? You found that out. Yeah, oh. I found I found a couple. Of, well, I, I didn't look for it until this afternoon. So maybe people just needed to go back to their long boxes and figure it out. I um, I I searched everything as soon as I finished watching the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, I, I've got, you know, because I knew Kelly's going to ask me this. <laughs> OK, so um, here's. So, so the thing I, the, the stuff that I found is that it is guardians of the galaxy. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was, was it called an annihilation? Um, I think was like the, oh, really? the, the storyline. Um, it was something like that. I think, um, I'm not going to remember what it was now. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to very quietly uh, type so it doesn't, it, so that it's not obvious. I'm looking it up. So, so Annihilation because... Conquest prologue number one that kicked off some sort of Marvel crossover event is what it is. Um, so okay. I have is on never, the edge of Cree folks, I don't know everything. I, I have never read that one. So that's, <laughs> that's great. Uh, let's see. 
uh i'm trying to see what it says um it's too it, it's partly the annihilation wave and the phalanx the comic takes place shortly after an epic battle with both of them um uh, and i'm trying to see if it tells me anything about this uh to do yeah um i'm not gonna do good at, at what? reading this very very quickly do you but, know what year do you know what year that was uh did it say 2007 so okay, i may I'm have just, some homework I, i'm running the file cards back it. and forth in my head you know how this <laughs> works right uh, and i'm i'm so i'm curious about i was curious about it because i wondered what uh Basically, I figured something else happened there and it was either going to be a Kang the Conqueror related thing or it was going to be maybe Kang the Conqueror is a male man um, in an alternate timeline. Uh, it was either going to be something to do with Kang the Conqueror or something to do with maybe Doctor Strange because they haven't hit us over the head enough times with a multiverse hammer. So that was sort of why I was wondering what Lamentous One was. So my, those were my two questions for well, the professor well, was who? what is Lamentous One? and well, does it you, matter and who's the postman well yeah you can take my professor hat uh uh <laughs> this week and I, I can go in the corner like the dunce uh that i am <laughs> but you know kang the conqueror is the elephant in the room with any time travel story in the marvel universe right oh i know and it's amazing that they're doing this particular story and kang hasn't been introduced yet considering his uh his relationship a literal relationship with some of the characters mm -hmm. in the story like ravonna rinslayer i mean you know they're yeah. uh so i don't know that's that's a good one but i'm i'm good i'm glad to know that it was some sort of crossover with guardians because that totally yeah. makes sense that's what my sister and i were like this has got to be guardians right <laughs> yes uh, so, so uh, so, that was... and, and and for folks who are listening to this as we're bumbling along here on the outside that <laughs> that please comment on twitter and let us know if you have more inside uh information or uh, uh, please give us actual information and please give us that thing that woke you up in the middle of the night too yes. because i like those just as much um we as you all know, I, I run a home for crockpot theories. And so by all means, bring us your tired, your poor, that thing you read on Reddit at that time, yearning to be free. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so those were my questions for you, Don. Uh, Lisa, did you have questions for the professor that were not postman or lamentous one related? Um, no, like, like I said, this, this whole episode, I, I just found myself thinking this is like some, some terrible combination of the prisoner's dilemma and that brain teaser about, oh, you're in front of a gate with two guards. One guard always lies and one guard always tells the truth. What's the question you have to ask to get through the gate? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they ever cover that in Marvel continuity. <laughs> so, no, uh, yeah. no, but, but again, this is, this is why. This episode feels like uh, a Doctor Who show to some people because that's the same kind of like crazy nonsense that they do. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it seemed like kind of out of um, out of space and time to be uh -huh. uh, literally uh, and figuratively uh, badly funny about. Uh, so... Uh, well, also, you go into an episode of Doctor Who, I mean, generally, like, they don't all do this, but generally, they're two-parters. So you get two pieces of two pieces of story, in essence. So, like, you're going to get the front half, and it's like, you know, oh, no, what's going to happen to the Doctor? Because all of these things, and there's an alien that's after them, and, and has unsavory intentions, and, like, is going to do something bad, and, you know, all of Earth hangs in the balance, and what are we going to do? Well, you'll find out next week. Mm. And so, like, it wasn't until you said that, that all the rest of those pieces clicked for me aside from like, yeah, like I should have a little faith in people who have like weapons, great ability to entertain me, to entertain me. Like this is all set up when I started looking at it all as just being set up. That's all going to just pay off in the back half because mm -hmm. we're halfway now. Yeah. Once I figured yeah. out it was all going to pay off in the back half. I'm like, I'm just going to let this one be what it is because mm -hmm. we needed it in order to do the next thing. Like when we talked about Game of Thrones over on 
uh, over on on another feed over on the incomparable one of the things Mm -hmm. we were talking about was like this episode was eating your vegetables because we know dessert is coming and sometimes you have to have that one in order for dessert to matter and that was kind of how this felt to me i'm wondering uh, because i'm you know i haven't seen every rick and morty episode uh because that's where (laughs) Uh, Michael Waldron, uh, Waldron, who's the uh, head writer and uh, creator mm-hmm. of Loki, uh, mm-hmm. comes from. Uh, but I'm wondering if this is a form that they use <laughs> on Rick and Morty very much. A universe of infinite Mortys? I think so. Yes. Uh, well, I, I don't mean those tropes. Yeah. Uh, they certainly do. I mean, I, I know enough about Rick and Morty, but the storytelling <laughs> style. Uh, oh, I yeah, I got curious. nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got nothing there either, but uh, that would be interesting. And commentary on the outside from that would be, would be handy as well. It'd be interesting to, it'll be interesting to revisit the series as a whole to ask, do all the episodes hang together? Did we need, uh, did we need a table setting episode? Um, Or, you know, is this something where we're just impatient to find out what happens next? And so we're (laughs) supposed to be unsettled by this. Um, Don and I have no idea what that feels like. Well, I have to remind, (laughs) I have to remind myself that, you know, once one gets habituated to DVRs and way back in the before time and streaming media now and dropping entire series at once, like having Mm -hmm. that week and all that mental space to just spin out, (laughs) like, on the one hand, it's entertaining, but on the other hand, you end up investing time and attention and energy into like crackpot theories that don't work out. And then you have to like deal with your emotional reaction to that. And, uh, and I'm again, s- I say, Don and I have no I'm idea. Not, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm just beginning to wonder if, if maybe what we should be like, okay, fine. It drops episodically. Maybe we don't endlessly analyze it like an episodic show because that way only lies madness. <laughs> Well, it's commentary. We have yeah, no idea no what idea you're talking, what talking about. about. <laughs> the the thing is, yeah, it's yeah. definitely that's where that's where madness lies, but it's also yeah. where a lot of the fun is because Kelly and I go way back on this before we ever did a podcast together about mm-hmm. Wild West sex robots. <laughs> I mean, we found out in mm-hmm. our first talking to each other is that we were both big time lost nerds. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, and once you go down that path, you know, forever will it, you know, determine your destiny. Right. So we're just screwed. We're always going to be suckers <laughs> for that kind of thing. We're, we're doomed and we're both kind of okay with that. Yeah. I I've come to terms with it years, like 20 years ago, I've come to terms with it. So yeah. See, I tapped out of Lost after, t- like, when the writer's strike hit and it lost momentum. But, the, you know, I knew the job was dangerous, uh, <laughs> but I was in there. So Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's, I almost, I'm almost thankful for these limited run series in the MCU. Sure, it's it's week to week torture. But it does keep you from spending years on the same thing. Yeah, like. exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, the amount of time I I invested in Battlestar Galactica, too. I mean, that's Good just, Lord. Yeah. yeah, that's just criminal. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> Let me just point out, Lisa is just now realizing what exactly she signed up for with the yeah, Don no, I, Kelly I, show. I, I am because I'm like, good Lord almighty. Maybe I'm a little too quick to pull the trigger because like it takes, <laughs> it takes just one or two episodes a month. <laughs> Life is short. The, the TV universe is infinite. There are better things out there. <laughs> That's true. Well, but these are, these are, are so, smaller chunks, which yeah. we, like Don said, like, like that's, that's a thing that's sort of handy about them, but also like, I think that's part of why it's fun to go over it with a fine tooth comb the way we do is because of how, because of how, because of the part, mm-hmm. this part where I get to do this with all of you. I don't spend a ton of time doing the research. Mm-hmm. Dawn, I'm sure you get a kick out of do- getting to do this with your sister, who in my mind, by the way, is, is some sort of fantastic interdimensional woman of mystery. <laughs> you just described Carmen sure. Diego. <laughs> yeah, basically. I didn't know she was interdimensional. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like Dawn's sister, intergalactic woman of mystery. Uh, like, 
I like, I'm pretty sure you get a kick out of doing that. And y'all would be doing that anyway, if we weren't recording and like, I would be sitting here going, what is Lamentus one and wondering like, has there ever been a Marvel flavored postman, you know, like I would be doing that anyway, but the, the, the point for me is getting to do it with, with both of you and being like, oh, Don's going to be so mad when he sees this or like, Oh, Lisa's going to be excited about this part uh-huh. and getting to have that piece of it. We always have an episode where I end up gushing about getting to do, getting to nerd out about it with the two of you, but it's basically like that part of it for me is the interactivity. Like, you know, Don brought up loss. Like that was the first time we had the internet in real time at the same time that everybody was sort of trying to slowly lose their minds on figuring out the, the thing. And it was yeah. great because it was really fun to get to do that as like a community activity. Yeah. I mean, in, in the time of Twin Peaks, a decade oh, earlier, what Lord did we have like? Mighty. My entire college dorm was super into Twin Peaks. We had viewing parties. And one of the first things I did, I went out and bought a package of markers and put together a wall mural detailing all of the relationships. All you really them. are like that guy. One of I, us. One one of you us. Want, it, gets, it gets worse because I color coded all of the lines between the characters so you could tell by a glance if they were familial relationships, platonic relationships, business relationships, or romantic relationships. Oh, Dawn, do you, do, God, do you that is see how much, how much time she have. spent over there acting like she's not one of us? I did not. She's, I just have a very short fuse I'm, I'm i'm fickle when it comes to these things i yeah but you lasted two two whole seasons with that show right that was that that yeah. was about my limit to you, be honest you, <laughs> you were all the way to the end to the black lodge right that, oh, yeah you, you know yeah yeah well, how's, so Annie? Are, how's Annie? how's Annie? how's Annie? yeah exactly <laughs> don't give me that holier than thou crap <laughs> oh i wasn't giving you holier than that crap i'm just saying i don't have the patience and uh i i've been burned too many times i can't get sucked back into these shows <laughs> i do feel compelled to point out that don is the only one of us qualified to judge holier than thou so oh yes that. thank you thank you you know i had that conversation full at disclosure. lunch with somebody yeah full mm-hmm. disclosure <laughs> so uh but it's good i i we are we are cut from the same cloth and we know we're doomed So the question is, uh, as Kelly said earlier, we're halfway through. Mm -hmm. What comes next? What's the next show going to focus on? I feel like we've got to be back inside the TVA and we've got to see our 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 favorite uh, new actor uh, rehabilitated and his marvelously uh, broken nose. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Honestly, I was shocked we at the decided lack of Moby in this episode. Yes. I was disappointed. I like his energy. I do yes. too. And I like how he plays off Loki. I think they're really fun together. Sort of like how I was bummed out that the first the first two episodes of The Falcon and the and the the Finding Zemo because I'm going to get the yeah, name wrong Finding anyway. Zemo, yeah. The first two episodes of Finding Zemo like were not the two of them together. You know, I I'm starting to think we're very needy people, aren't we, Kelly? Yes. <laughs> yes. I like to think that I, I like to think that I just have discerning tastes is what it is. is there like, you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, it is hard to make a TV show in this day and age, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when you think about it, like in the 80s, all you had to do was be like, it's a detective show. But in Hawaii, and everyone's like, oh, wow, it's a detective show in Hawaii. <laughs> and like, then we had the rise of recap culture in the 90s. And I was, you know, I was part of that. Um, we had the rise mm-hmm. of recap culture. And then DVRs let everybody zap rooted the hell out of a sitcom. Mm. And then, um, then came podcasts and streaming media. And, and now every frame is endlessly scrutinized. Everything from the set dressing to the color of a character's jeans and it's just so much more work to make a TV show because you can't ever put a foot wrong without a thousand people on the internet concocting a theory about it. But also like, it's harder. I think it's also a lot harder to surprise people for the same set of reasons. And I think, but they keep doing it. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and this is the other thing is it seems like we've all gotten very, very, like everyone has read Ars Poetica at this point. Everyone's littered on television conventions. And I think it's easy to forget that so many of them are being invented and laid down from what you could argue was the first golden age of television, which was like nine, the, the 19, 1980s. 
And then yeah. the second one really began peaking in the 2000s, which was another set of conventions. But by this point, we all know how to identify the character beats. We all know how to identify the plot. And maybe what's throwing us here is um, it's a limited run series, which is something we're not too familiar with in the U.S. Right. Um, although we're getting more familiar with it. And they're borrowing pretty freely from comic book pacing. Yep. And while both comics and TV are serial narratives, they, they have very different beats they tend to end on. So <laughs> that's yes, true. And that... I, I like, I like that idea, but also um, like part of what I have enjoyed about it is, is the surprise of it because they're still managing to surprise us. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, su- we were surprised by everything or at least I was like a lot of the time, like there's not been a moment when I'm like, Oh, I totally called you, that. You watch this with Mr. Kelly, right? Oh, I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and, and we'll, we can talk a little bit about uh, the experience he has watching this versus the experience I have watching this for, for that reason. But I think uh, that's another part of what makes it interesting to me is that even given all of the, you know, given Reddit and all the other stuff that's out there that's available for people to zap or everything within an inch of its life, like the, whoever's in charge of the show is still able to surprise and delight. And, and that's the part that I think is... Uh, kind of a testament to the show is that we get the we get these opportunities to be completely hauled out of left field doing whatever it is yeah Agreed. and i dig it and we'll be we'll be back here slicing and dicing the next episode too where and twice actually, as much stuff is gonna happen Kelly, right and, and that's like a great place to end because yes. uh we're trying to make it so that we're not going much longer than the episode this is actually the shortest episode in the loki run thus far so uh you know it's been wide-ranging we've covered everything from uh tequila <laughs> from tequila to, to emotional overinvestment in uh, serial narratives and um and now we basically have like a week to try to figure out what's going to happen in episode four um i am your distrustful uh i i guess i i, I wouldn't say i'm the ringleader in the circus i'm i'm really just one of the, the clowns in the car <laughs> <laughs> but I, it is my great joy and privilege to share this clown car with two joyous, enthusiastic, and considerably more um, open-minded or, or, or open-hearted people than I, Kelly Gamont. For all time, always. And Don Melton. Uh, don't put tequila on your cereal. I was just going to make that comment earlier. Bye. <laughs> Words to live by by Don Melton. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> For all time. Always.